people are hurting because the rent is too high, gas prices are too high. Um, they're thinking about health care, access to health care in our black and brown communities. A disputed Senate seat in a nasty race. Making sure that people can afford their place to live, uh, that they can afford property insurance. We hear across the board, affordability is the number one issue here in Broward County and across the state. The Senate Democratic leader fighting to keep her seat. Barbara Sharif caught defrauding taxpayers. Lauren Book lacks fiscal responsibility. You paid for her extravagant lifestyle. The airwaves full of attack ads. Which ones are true? The two Democrats face off in a live debate. Changing faces on the Miami-Dade Commission. Commissioner Souza, term limited out. Who will replace it? Senator Rubio. The big political stories of the week on This Week in South Florida. Good morning, glad you could join us. I'm Michael Putney, Glenna has the day off. Politics and more politics, that's what we've got for you this morning. A debate between the candidates and the hottest race going in Broward County and also we'll have the candidates for a county commission race in Miami-Dade, plus the return of my personal perspective with some thoughts about why Senator Marco Rubio won't talk to me. But we begin with the Democratic candidates for the state Senate in newly drawn District 35, that is most of Western Broward. Two veteran politicians are vying for the nomination, State Senator Lauren Book, the current Senate Majority Leader, and Dr. Barbara Sharif, a former Broward commissioner and mayor. This is the marquee race in the Broward primary ballot. Everybody can vote since there are no Republicans running. So let's get going and get the candidates. Here they are. Well, this is the district. Here are the candidates on the left is Senator Lauren Book. On the right is Dr. Barbara Sharif. Ladies, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning. We're so glad you are here. Let's go briefly through the rules of this debate. You're obviously not behind lectures, but it will be a debate as best we can bring it off. Uh, I will ask uh, questions, simple, direct questions. One of you who I ask will have 45 seconds to answer. Your opponent will have 25 seconds to rebut or respond, and you will get to make a closing statement. But we're going to start with one of my questions. And Ms. Sharif, this first one is for you. I was there when you announced your candidacy, and you basically accused Senator Book of being something of a carpetbagger coming down to a southern part of Broward County, where you have served for years, lived for years. But she's not doing anything illegal or unethical running in Senate District 35, is she? I didn't say that. I didn't say she was doing anything illegal or unethical. She's doing what she wants to do. Right. But you, you were sort of saying, as I heard it, and I was there, what you were saying was, this is my territory. I know the constituents. They know me. And she used to serve in another district further north. So what I said is that this is a opportunity for minority access. I've been living in this district for 21 years and served it for 13. And what I was responding to was Senator Book's um, accusation that my running in this race 
would hurt somehow the Democrats. And I feel like I have a right to run in the seat where I've represented. And so that's why I'm running. Yeah, well, absolutely. You have a right and you are a veteran politician. You served yeah. on the Broward County Commission. Twice you were mayor. Uh, Senator Book, let me ask you about, uh, obviously in a, as we all know, politics in South Florida is a contact sport, so it can get rough. You have been running an ad uh, or your political action committee about Ms. Sharif, in which uh, we just saw a bit of it. It says she cannot be trusted, and it also, one of these ads, says that she essentially stole hundreds of thousands of dollars in Medicaid money overcharging for medical services. She is the owner of a, a Medicare, uh, a medical provider. Uh, but that's, she didn't steal any money. That was a civil matter and she paid it back. What's the big deal? I think it is a big deal. I think when it comes to running a business and making sure that you're using taxpayer dollars to care for those that are most vulnerable among us, low income families and children, uh, you need to be very, very careful about the way that you spend that money. And she overbilled Medicaid. Let's be very, very clear. She had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay back the overbilling that she did. Uh, that is very clear. That's a fact. We know that to be true. And again, you're using taxpayer dollars. I believe that to be true fiscal irresponsibility. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Sharif, uh, I want to give you more than 20 seconds. This is an important issue. Respond to the fact that you did have to pay back uh, Medicare, Medicare uh, several hundred thousand dollars for overbilling. So first of all, there was no overbilling. Everything I billed for, I worked. Secondly, Lauren is desperately lying because she's losing in the polls, and that's why I sued her. I've run and been elected three times since this issue ever came up, and twice my opponents have brought this issue up and litigated it through the public um, without a platform. Lauren has never been elected by the community, and as a matter of fact, the other day when I served her with the lawsuit for lying at 7.30 a.m., she was in a home that is not in the District 35. And, um, you know, I think that this is just something to kind of keep detracting from the, the true issues at hand, which is yeah. what are we going to do for District 35? All right. Senator Book, do you have a response to that? I do, and I want to be very, very clear. Number one, if several opponents have brought this up in, in campaigns, that means it is a true issue and something that my opponent needs to answer for. Again, she continues to obfuscate the truth and try to point fingers in other places. You're right, there was a lawsuit filed, I was served. It's a frivolous lawsuit, one that has been filed in similar races in Broward County when the opponent in that race isn't doing very well. What I would say is this, Every single headline and thing that an issue that we have talked about in our ads on TV that came from our campaign are backed by facts. And number two, I'm caring for a father who is still battling cancer coming out of that and two young children. I don't need to live in the district until November. I have a home in Davie. I have lived in this community since I was very, very young. I have continued to do so. Republicans drew me out of my current Senate district, Senate District 32, by four blocks because I am the yeah. leader of the Democrats. We, That's we, what happens when you're in leadership. 
All right, uh, Ms. Sharif, I need to ask you about one more of these uh, nasty ads that have been running. Either you or your political action committee ran an ad that had footage from uh, Miss Book's wedding a number of years ago. It was apparently a very lavish, beautiful wedding and very expensive. And you sort of were deriding her her wedding. I mean, how is, you know, her wedding and whatever it costs, how is that relevant in this campaign? Absolutely, because since Lauren has taken office as a senator, she has received over $10 million in taxpayer funds to live off of and to fund her private charity. And I feel like if you're gonna go around flaunting million dollar weddings and flaunting how much money that you have, maybe you're just out of touch with what's this, what this district is all about, which is working class families. And so she put that out there. That's nothing that's made up, it's the truth. Um, everything that we've produced is the truth. Broward County schools and the schools throughout this uh, state of Florida were decreased by $70 million this year in the budget and her private charity, which she votes on, which I feel is a conflict of interest, is getting funded at $2 million consistently. I have a problem with that, and I'm sure that most of us who live in this district who pay our taxes have a problem with that, too. Yeah. Uh, Senator Book, why don't you uh, respond here first about uh, the cost of your wedding and why that may be an issue in the campaign. Also, about your role as the head of Lauren's Kids, which helps uh, prevent abusive children, sexual abuse, you in fact, as you often have said, were yourself uh, a victim of sexual abuse as a child. So two part answer here for a two part question. Number one, no part of my salary goes to, from state dollars goes to my salary. No part of it. No part of my husband's salary. He does not make a salary from the foundation. My foundation is a pass-through to protect children in our schools throughout the state of Florida. Let's be very, very clear about one thing. I have turned a horrific, painful, terrible experience from my childhood into something positive. We know that one in three girls and one in five boys will become the victim of child sexual abuse before their 18th birthday. As children are set to start school this this week, next week on Tuesday, 26,000 young girls and 21,000 young boys will become the victim during this year alone of students that are in the public school systems right now. Those children deserve to be safe. We know that the curriculum that we provide shows 77% gain in personal safety and knowledge for children. Number two, as it relates to my wedding, has nothing to do with anything related to my salary, Lauren's kids, or my public service. I think you wanna talk about my salary. This, miss, my opponent has pulled a salary that is completely not true. Again, stated that my spouse makes a salary from the foundation, not true. You wanna talk about salaries. My opponent on her financial disclosure made $7.2 million last year from an agency that she overbilled and had to pay hundreds of thousands oh, okay, of dollars. Okay, Senator, hold, hold, hold on. That would be, and Michael, if I yeah. could just be very, very clear. Forgive That's me, but hold on. Ms. Sharif, I... dollars a week. Yeah, I, I'm in sorry. In two weeks, hold she on. makes more than hold, I make Lauren, an entire year. I'm going to call a timeout here. I, I need to let Barbara Sharif respond to that accusation. Barbara? So first of all, I made my money the honest way by working and building a business from the ground up with my mother, which I've worked for over 22 years. And no ma'am, Mrs. Book, 
My salary does not come from overbilling Medicaid. I have over 350 healthcare workers that go out and provide service to those in need in our community. I am actually pretty sick of her uh, disparaging my healthcare record and my 30 years in healthcare practice. Unfortunately, she doesn't understand if you have a health care license, you cannot commit a crime. You won't, you won't have a license. I'm 30 years in practice and I'm still practicing now. And my rebut to that um, asinine statement is that my father was a victim of gun violence. I lost my father at the age of 14, but she decided to send this mailer out and Photoshop my picture on it to say that I like guns and I like bringing people with guns here. So what's so horrific about referring to her salary where she's living off the taxpayers' dollars and voting for it? I just don't see a problem with it. Yeah, Senator Book, uh, that uh, flyer that Ms. Sharif held up does make accusations about Ms. Sharif and her support or defense of guns. And uh, in fact, she's been a rather, you know, strident, outspoken opponent of uh, guns in the hands of criminals and mental defectives. So again, that is not a piece of mail that my campaign has put out. Uh, when you're an effective leader in Tallahassee, lots of people want to make sure that you stay in Tallahassee. If you look at that piece of mail, there is a person and an entity that is responsible for that mail. Again, not my piece of mail. And I, again, I would suggest that it's the policy piece on that piece of mail that my opponent should have to answer for. Why would we want the maker of a Kalishnikov Russian-style weapon to Broward County? Why not pull it off of a consent agenda? Why not stop the manufacturer from coming to Broward County? As a as a as a state senator who represented well, well, World Spring during the senator, MSP we'll, we, we're going to take a break. We'll let Ms. Sharif answer. I think she's going to say all the commissioners voted to welcome and give some incentives to that manufacturer because it created jobs. But we'll let uh, Ms. Sharif say that. Like so stay with us, we'll be right back. Okay. On this Sunday on This Week in South Florida, a very robust debate with uh, Dr. Barbara Sharif and with Senator Lauren Book. Uh, uh, Dr. Sharif, let me give you about 20 seconds if you would like to comment about your vote that helped subsidize the Kalishnikov manufacturer to come into Broward County. Great. So for, first of all, Rick Scott as governor had a agenda to bring down U.S. manufacturers who served the United States military that year. Kalishnikov USA was not the only manufacturer that was brought down here to create jobs. However, the weapons that are manufactured there are for our United States military, not for public consumption, like Ms. Book has alleged. And therefore, I want to make it very clear, I voted for that because I, I love our military. Our military provide us the freedoms that we have today and will continue to do that. And they have to manufacture somewhere in there in the United States. That company says Kalishnikov USA. Secondly, right. I'd like I think, to I think your 20 seconds Barbara, uh, oh, forgive me, I think, I think it's up. Okay. And I want to move on to a question for Senator Book. Senator Book, uh, you've been criticized by Ms. Sharif and also some other pro-choice Democrats because in the legislature, uh, when the Senate was voted, voting on that 15-week abortion bill, uh, there was an amendment which you supported to exempt uh, women 
for rape of, and incest to allow them to have abortions if they had been victims of rape or incest. And you did not call for a vote on the record, a record vote where the Republicans or anybody else had to put their yes or yay or no on the record. Why did you not press for that? Thank you so much for the question. And Michael, actually, you and I have talked about this. My opponent has been talking about this since she kicked off her campaign, trying to confuse the public with rhetoric and again, obfuscate the truth, either pretending that she doesn't understand the process or she simply doesn't understand the process. That was my amendment, not an amendment from somebody else that I was supporting. It was my amendment that I introduced three times as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and of a gang rape. I discussed that openly on the floor for the first time, begging and pleading with my colleagues to come along and give survivors of sexual assault a little bit more time. The reality is, again, introduced that amendment three times, called for a roll call vote in appropriations, which had more members on that committee than, than half of the body, and then on the floor tried very hard. Let's be also very clear about one thing. You're on one side of this issue or you're not. You're for women's rights or you're against them. You know the math, Michael, in Tallahassee. There are 15, at that time, there were 15 Democrats and there were 24 Republicans. Right. We were never, ever going to get that amendment passed. Right. Or well, then the question, yeah. If I can really quickly. Senator, plan. the question Parenthood becomes, we, we, we know that the majority, the Republican majority, was not going to accept your amendment, but isn't there some political worth to sort of getting their opposition on the record? And we did. And their opposition was, again, voting for the piece of policy without the exemption. Again, Planned Parenthood, Ruth's List, Emily's List, which my opponent likes to point out, supported her in her congressional race, but had a choice in this race. And they chose me. Why? Because they know that I'm a fighter and that my leadership is effective. I want to point out one other thing. The only thing that could change this piece of policy and others just like it is bringing more Democrats to Tallahassee. And what did my opponent do? Go on the radio and talk about how I'm the Democratic leader and I should be, and somehow we should be supporting Republicans in, in this race. What side is she on? We need to bring more pro-choice women and Democrats to Tallahassee to stop right, policy. Well, let's give race. Dr. Sharif a, a chance to respond. I know you have many things to say here, Barbara. What, what are they? Well, first of all, for far too long, people in Tallahassee have been voting against women. We need to hold them accountable by making them expose themselves. And as a woman, you die on that sword. I um, think that she should have made them go on the record and call for a hand vote, not for them yelling out yay or nay. And additionally, um, I didn't go on the radio and say any of that, but I think um, she's feeling a bit defensive because I'm telling the truth. As a Democratic leader of the state Senate, I would have held women's rights uh, against uh, all odds. I would have fought against them. And I don't care how many of them are stacked against me. You don't sacrifice uh, women's rights to, to to shelter people who don't support women. We put them in office. Fight for us. Yeah. All right, uh, Senator Book, um, needless to say, trying to get your agenda, the Democratic agenda, passed through a Republican-dominated Senate and House in Tallahassee is just almost an impossible job. Now, one bill that you did get passed, and more power to you, uh, is a bill that says that diapers 
cannot be taxed. And for young mothers, young families, that's, that's a good thing. But is that your only bill? I mean, is that the only bill that you've gotten passed? No, we have, and I have worked extremely hard in my time in the legislature. I've been able to expand Medicaid twice for postpartum moms and babies for a year instead of six weeks. We've been able to get donor breast milk covered for, for first responders, making sure that their mental health was covered without a co-occurring physical injury. We were able to ban seclusion and restraint in classroom for children with exceptionalities across the state of Florida. We were able to attack fertility fraud and make sure that those that were um, taking advantage of women in the most vulnerable of times were being cared for sexual assault crimes, you name it, we've really worked very, very hard in our time to make sure. But I also want to point out the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas massacre that happened in our community. Um, I worked in a bipartisan fashion to pass more gun safety legislation than had ever been passed in 20 years in Florida because I worked along with my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to do so. I currently continue to serve on the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Public Safety Commission yeah. to make sure that the terror the terrible, horrific things that happen in our community never, ever happens again. And the last bill that I'm extraordinarily proud of is the prescription drug repository program. We talk a lot about affordability and health care, and I do hope we're going to get to continue to talk about some of the issues that are truly important to Broward County residents, because it's not about fighting against my opponents, fighting for um, the Western Broward County people that we're hoping to serve here, um, but making sure that those who can hardly afford prescriptions have yeah. access to, to medication. Okay. And so we I've are, worked very hard in we, my time. I beg your pardon. We are out of time for this segment. Barbara Sharif, you'll get a chance to respond when we come back. Everybody, keep your places. We are in the midst of a very lively debate between Dr. Barbara Sharif and Senator Lauren Book, candidates, uh, Democratic candidates in the 35th State Senate District, which includes most of Western Broward County. And let me just point out, any voter, registered voter in this district can vote August 23rd because there is no Republican. So the independents, Republicans, you can vote here too. Uh, let's move on if we can to the really big issue uh, in your district and in the state which is affordability and the high cost of living. Even though this is a fairly affluent district, uh, people are struggling to pay the high cost of food, of rents, and even though gas has come down, still costs 40 or 45 bucks to fill up your tank. Uh, Senator Book, what are you going to do specifically to address the whole issue of affordability? You're right, Michael. This is an issue that cuts across all all areas. Um, one of the things that we have done already is we passed House Bill 7103 three years ago, which allowed local governments to provide density bonuses for developers to develop affordable housing units. At the end of the day, this is a supply and demand issue as it, in terms of affordability on homes. Sal salaries are just not keeping up with the cost of living on day-to-day -day life. And so local governments had the ability to build affordable housing units across the board in Broward County, and yet none have been developed in over 12 years. The political will was not done. We've continued to work for some of those short-term gains like the diaper tax exemption, fighting to make sure that the gas tax exemption was given now and not in November when the governor wanted it, making sure that we don't sweep Sadowski. We have a plan as a caucus to 
to go back to Tallahassee to make sure that we address the affordability issue head on. All right, and uh, Barbara Sharif, I want to give you equal time here because this is, as you well know, the huge issue in your race, in your, in your neighborhood, uh, is affordability. What would you do as a state senator to so address I, it and make it better? So can I answer the last question we ended on because I didn't get an opportunity to answer my accomplishments. As mayor of Broward County for and been elected office for twice as long as my opponent, 13 years. I have tackled many issues, serving on the 16 County Coalition for Water Resources, making sure that we have clean water and secure water, and to try to replace the aging infrastructure in Broward County. Additionally, spearheaded the transportation surtax to make sure that we rebuild, rebuild our aging infrastructure because the state has failed to help the counties and the cities keep up with this. Secondly, I have helped with health care, uh, homelessness, as well as joined forces with Feeding South Florida to get food in the homes of families who are in need. All right, Barbara Sharif, I, I'm going to, um, I, I beg your pardon, we are almost out of time. I'm going to say so that was I'm your closing statement. So the affordable uh, I'm sorry. housing question. Uh, so Senator Book, if you would briefly make a closing statement. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the time today, Michael. Um, it has been the honor of a lifetime to serve Senate District 32 in the last six years in the Florida legislature. And I hope to earn the trust, respect, uh, and the, the, the hope of I can sign on the again. voters in Senate District 35. These are very tough times and we need tough leaders. Leaders who, are, who aren't going to raise bus fares, who those who can afford it the least. Leaders who are going to go out and fight for their special interests. The special interests in my community are Sandy, who owns Vibing Hair Salon in Miramar, who couldn't get people to pay attention to her issues right. on her property in right. I, I beg your pardon. We are out of time. I want to thank you both for a really good debate. So good luck in the campaign. Thanks, guys. All right. Still to come, another candidate for the Miami-Dade County Commission in District 8 uh, will be speaking with us next. The primary election is just nine days away, but voters are already casting their ballots by mail and at early voting locations across South Florida and Miami-Dade. One of the most closely watched local races is for the Miami-Dade County Commission and District 6. This is what District 6, uh, 6 looks like. It takes in West Miami, suburban areas down to South Miami, as well as Miami International Airport and that Mel Reese Golf Course area where the city of Miami wants to build a big soccer stadium and office complex. This district has been represented for more than 20 years by Rebecca Sosa, but she has been term limited out and four candidates have stepped forward to try to claim the seat. The candidates are Jorge Fors, a Coral Gables City Commissioner, Daniel Fernandez, a software company owner, member of the Miami-Dade Republican Executive Committee, Victor Vasquez, a member of the Miami Spring City Council, a longtime educator as well, and Kevin Marino Cabrera, a Coral Gables marketing executive who was the Florida campaign director for Donald Trump two years ago. We have two of the four candidates with us live this morning. Daniel Fernandez just dropped out, but we are happy to welcome the gentleman you see here, Jorge Fors, the Coral Gables commissioner. Jorge, good morning. Glad to see you. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm very glad. Uh, you know, uh, Commissioner, you have been 
endorsed by Rebecca Sosa, a wonderful person, served well for over 20 years. But of course, it's going to take more than her blessing to get elected here. What is your main issue? What, why do you think you are the best candidate here? Well, I think, Michael, I, I'm the one that has experience, uh, truly, uh, in governing on a local level. Uh, with me, you don't have to uh, wonder how I'm going to govern or legislate. I've been doing it already now for three and a half years. I've shown myself to be a voice of reason, uh, somebody concerned with the, with the issues that truly matter to District 6 in our immediate vicinity. I also have uh, no special conflicts or conflicts of interest, Michael. Uh, I noticed you mentioned that uh, my main opponent, Kevin Marino Cabrera, uh, represents that he's a marketing executive when in fact uh, he's a lobbyist, a career lobbyist. That his financial disclosure will show that all his income comes from from that activity, and that he's until very recently registered as the registered lobbyist uh, on behalf of numerous companies trying to obtain multi-million-dollar contracts from Miami-Dade County. Uh, I think my ability as a private attorney during my private uh, life uh, to come into the county commission, as I have yeah. on the city commission of Coral Gables, uh, allows me in the to keep my career. Uh, privately and my public service in yeah. two silos uh, and not not be able to, I should say, yeah. place the interests of the residents first. All right. Well, we, we understand, and I have to point out that we invited Mr. Cabrera, tried repeatedly to get him to take part, so he's, he was not reachable, never called us back, so he is not here to defend himself. As long as he registers as a lobbyist, that is a legal profession, uh, may not always bring glory to the lobbyist, but anyway, I need to ask you about the urban development boundary. One of the big issues in Miami-Dade County, as one of the 13 commissioners, you would have a vote to either maintain the boundary or allow development beyond it. Generally speaking, are you in favor of maintaining the UDB or moving beyond it? Well, it's difficult to speak about the UDB generally since it, the UDB spans across uh, the entire county. Now, every application to expand the UDB, and there have been many in the past, and there was one recently, and there will be more in the future, uh, will probably deal with a different area, expanding it in different directions, and much must be uh, considered based on the standard set forth uh, by county law, which is whether it is truly necessary. Yeah. Uh, what, what about this development that the uh, has been proposed in Deep South Dade right off the uh, Turnpike Extension, 800 acres for warehouses. It's still sort of in the mix. It's not going anywhere right now, but uh, you may have to vote on it if you become a member of the commission. What do you think you, how would you vote? It is still in the mix, Michael. Uh, and in my opinion, that particular application uh, is not as far along as it really needs to be in terms of being fully baked. Uh, there are various questions of infrastructure, uh, and necessity, which are for me at least, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from the outside looking in, not yet being there on the dais, uh, but has a couple, or not a couple, but several questions that, that are still unanswered for me. Um, I think that I can see necessity uh, rising to the level uh, that it needs to be for perhaps expansions of the UDB, not the entire UDB, but small sections of it. But what I always tell folks is that my and my platform speaks to it as a family first platform the way to really my heart on that in the future and again every application to be considered on an application by application basis is that eventually we will find ourselves uh, in a situation where we may need to fill in certain enclaves of that udb 
for single family residences. Right. Uh, now, with respect to the necessity of industrial and 800 uh, acres of it uh, in that particular area, um, I have not been, uh, at least at this time, and, and I don't have the benefit of being briefed to the level that the sitting commissioners do, uh, found myself to be in a place where I'd be willing to to seriously consider that at this time. Now, necessity is something that, that changes every day, something that is not quite uh, necessary enough today uh, may become necessary a year from now. Yeah, uh, but that's why we have to take a very close look at it. It's not and expanding the UDB by all means is not something that should be taken lightly. Yeah. All right. We have about a minute left, but I need to ask you. You have been briefed on a whole issue of increasing density along rail lines, along Metro Rail, and the city of Coral Gables obviously has Metro Rail running through it. And county planners say one way to provide affordable workforce housing is to build it along those public transportation lines. Where do you fall on that issue? So the concept makes perfect sense that you increase density along our rail lines to promote transportation, reduce traffic. However, I was very involved in what, in what the plan you're referring to as the rapid transit zone concept, I was very involved with it on the city side. Uh, and, and my biggest problem with it was that it sort of tried to uh, apply a one size fits all approach to increasing density and types of housing along the rail. Uh, that plan I think is works great in certain areas doesn't work great in others. Yeah. The city of Coral Gables and to Commissioner Gilbert, who was the sponsor of that of that piece of legislation, to his credit, he listened and he really took a good look at it uh, and met with us on several occasions. In Coral Gables, we were able to show that there has been an increase of density yeah. uh, along the rail well, over we the see, last few years. Sure, anybody driving on US-1 sees the increase in density there. Jorge Forrest, great to be able to speak with you. And uh, we are glad to take a look at a important Miami-Dade County Commission race, and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. All right, up next, another candidate in the same race for Miami-Dade Commission in District 6, Victor, Victor Vasquez. The primary election is just nine days away, but voters are already casting their ballots by mail and at early voting locations across South Florida and Miami-Dade. One of the most closely watched local races is for the Miami-Dade County Commission and District 6. This is what District 6, uh, 6 looks like. It takes in West Miami, suburban areas down to South Miami, as well as Miami International Airport and that Mel Reese Golf Course area where the city of Miami wants to build a big soccer stadium and office complex. This district has been represented for more than 20 years by Rebecca Sosa, but she has been term limited out and four candidates have stepped forward to try to claim the seat. The candidates are Jorge Fors, a Coral Gables City Commissioner, Daniel Fernandez, a software company owner, member of the Miami-Dade Republican Executive Committee, Victor Vasquez, a member of the Miami Springs City Council, a longtime educator as well, and Kevin Marino Cabrera, a Coral Gables marketing executive who was the Florida campaign director for Donald Trump two years ago. We have two of the four candidates with us live this morning. Daniel Fernandez just dropped out, but we are happy to welcome the gentleman you see here, Jorge Forrest, the Coral Gables commissioner. Jorge, good morning. Glad to see you. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm very glad. Uh, you know, uh, Commissioner, you have been 
endorsed by Rebecca Sosa, a wonderful person, served well for over 20 years. But of course, it's going to take more than her blessing to get elected here. What is your main issue? What, why do you think you are the best candidate here? Well, I think, Michael, I, I'm the one that has experience, uh, truly, uh, in governing on a local level. Uh, with me, you don't have to uh, wonder how I'm going to govern or legislate. I've been doing it already now for three and a half years. I've shown myself to be a voice of reason, uh, somebody concerned with the with the issues that truly matter to District 6 in our immediate vicinity. I also have uh, no special conflicts or conflicts of interest, Michael. Uh, I noticed you mentioned that uh, my main opponent, Kevin Marino Cabrera, uh, represents that he's a marketing executive when in fact uh, he's a lobbyist, a career lobbyist. That his financial disclosure will show that all his income comes from from that activity, and that he's until very recently registered as the registered lobbyist uh, on behalf of numerous companies trying to obtain multi-million-dollar contracts from Miami-Dade County. I think my ability as a private attorney during my private uh, life uh, to come into the county commission, as I have yeah. on the city commission of Coral Gables, uh, allows me in the to keep my career. Uh, privately and my public service in yeah. two silos uh, and not not be able to, I should say, yeah. place the interests of the residents first. All right. Well, we, we understand and I have to point out that we invited Mr. Cabrera, tried repeatedly to get him to take part, so he's, he was not reachable, never called us back, so he is not here to defend himself as long as he registers as a lobbyist, that is a legal profession, uh, may not always bring glory to the lobbyist. But anyway, I need to ask you about the urban development boundary, one of the big issues in Miami-Dade County. As one of 13 commissioners, you would have a vote to either maintain the boundary or allow development beyond it. Generally speaking, are you in favor of maintaining the UDB or moving beyond it? Well, it's difficult to speak about the UDB generally since it, the UDB spans across uh, the entire county. Now, every application to expand the UDB, and there have been many in the past, and there was one recently, and there will be more in the future, uh, will probably deal with a different area, expanding it in different directions, and much must be uh, considered based on the standards set forth uh, by county law, which is whether it is truly necessary. Yeah. Uh, what, what about this development that the... Uh, has been proposed in Deep South Dade right off the uh, Turnpike Extension, 800 acres for warehouses. It's still sort of in the mix. It's not going anywhere right now, but uh, you may have to vote on it if you become a member of the commission. What do you think you, how would you vote? It is still in the mix, Michael. Uh, and in my opinion, that particular application uh, is not as far along as it really needs to be in terms of being fully baked. Uh, there are various questions of infrastructure uh, and necessity, which are for me at least, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from the outside looking in, not yet being there on the dais, uh, but has a couple, or not couple, but several questions that, that are still unanswered for me. Um, I think that I can see necessity uh, rising to the level uh, that it needs to be for perhaps expansions of the UDB, not the entire UDB, but small sections of it. But what I always tell folks is that my, and my platform speaks to it as a family first platform, the way to really my heart on that in the future, and again, every application to be considered on an application by application basis, is that eventually we will find ourselves 
uh, in a situation where we may need to fill in certain enclaves of that UDB for single family residences. Right. Uh, now, with respect to the necessity of industrial and 800 uh, acres of it uh, in that particular area, um, I have not been, uh, at least at this time, and, and I don't have the benefit of being briefed to the level that the sitting commissioners do, uh, found myself to be in a place where I'd be willing to, to seriously consider that at this time. Now, necessity is something that, that changes every day, something that is not quite uh, necessary enough today, uh, may become necessary a year from now. Yeah. Uh, but that's why we have to take a very close look at it. It's not and expanding the UDB by all means is not something that should be taken lightly. Yeah. All right, we have about a minute left, but I need to ask you, you have been briefed on a whole issue of increasing density along rail lines, along Metro Rail, and the city of Coral Gables obviously has Metro Rail running through it, and county planners say one way to provide affordable workforce housing is to build it along those public transportation lines. Where do you fall on that issue? So the concept makes perfect sense that you increase density along our rail lines to promote transportation, reduce traffic. However, I was very involved in what, in what the plan you're referring to is the rapid transit zone concept. I was very involved with it on the city side. Uh, and, and my biggest problem with it was that it sort of tried to uh, apply a one size fits all approach to increasing density and types of housing along the rail. Uh, that plan I think is works great in certain areas doesn't work great in others. Yeah. With the city of Coral Gables and to Commissioner Gilbert, who was the sponsor of that of that piece of legislation, to his credit, he listened and he really took a good look at it uh, and met with us on several occasions. In Coral Gables, we were able to show that there has been an increase in density yeah. uh, along the rail no, over the see, last few years. Sure, anybody driving on US-1 sees the increase in density there. Jorge Forrest, great to be able to speak with you and uh, we are glad to take a look at a important Miami-Dade County Commission race and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. All right, up next, another candidate in the same race for Miami-Dade Commission in District 6, Victor, Victor Vasquez. Mount Sinai is the leader in hard care. From minimally invasive to complex surgeries, Mount Sinai delivers unmatched surgical experience and the best survival rates. There is only one for hard care, Mount Sinai. My name is Alicia Garcia Priogos, and I am running for county court judge. As an assistant state attorney for the last 16 years, I fought to attain justice for victims of crimes. While serving as the director of the human trafficking unit, I worked with police officers, city leaders, and community organizations to protect the most vulnerable and to help recover missing and exploited children. Help me continue serving our community. Vote Alicia Garcia Priovlos for Miami-Dade County Court Judge. After Charlie Crist campaigned for Barack Obama, Nikki Freed campaigned for Florida Republicans. When Crist was working to elect pro-choice Democratic women, Freed was calling for Hillary Clinton to be arrested and helping elect anti-choice Republicans like Manny Diaz. Crist fought in Congress to expand health care. Freed lined her pockets lobbying for tobacco and insurance companies. That's the choice. The Republican-loving lobbyist who can't beat DeSantis or the Democrat who can. Things can't change if we keep voting for the same old tired career politicians. Sophia Lakaya is a no-nonsense, roll-up-your-sleeves-get-the-job-done type of woman. Sophia supports our police officers and has a plan to ensure our public safety, alleviate the housing crisis, and bring much-needed jobs to our district. 
This time, let's get it right. Sophia Lukyle for Miami-Dade County Commissioner. Things can't change if we keep voting for the same old tired career politicians. When police officers don't show up to work, they get fired. That's how it should be for senators, too. As chief, I showed up every day, and we reduced violent crime by 40%. Marco Rubio's one of the worst at showing up, and when he does, he hurts Florida, gutting Social Security and Medicare. It's simple. When you don't show up for work, you lose your job. I'm Val Demings, and I'll show up for you. And that's why I approve this message. For heart surgery, Mount Sinai offers patients confidence, trust, and results. Expert surgeons, the newest equipment and technology, a comforting patient experience, and number one in survival rates. Call or visit us at msmc.com to schedule an appointment. We have one more candidate to speak to in this District 6 Miami-Dade County Commission race, and it is Victor Vasquez, longtime educator. We ought to prefer to him as Dr. Vasquez. He earned a Ph.D., and he is also a member of the Miami Springs City Council. Dr. Vasquez, welcome. Great to see you. Great to see you, too, Michael. All right. Well, let's begin with what, what is your major issue? Why are you running in this race? What do you bring to it? that the other candidates do not? Well, I bring a combination of major issues. So affordable housing, uh, uh, um, economic development, and, uh, and rail transportation. My past uh, uh, history in higher education has been with uh, workforce development, economic development, working in private uh, 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 government partnerships in developing communities and building housing and getting all the stakeholders together. And I've done that as well with my position as a city councilman in Miami in Springs. Miami Springs. Yeah, uh, Dr. Vasquez, uh, Mayor Daniela Levine Cava has put forth a really ambitious program uh, with roughly, I think, uh, you know, 14,000 affordable homes are supposed to come online in the next year uh, in Miami-Dade County. Clearly, that is something then that you support. Absolutely, and I think it's a good beginning, Michael. I like to look at things more comprehensively. I think that we need to look at uh, affordability of housing uh, countywide, but I think the mayor has made a, uh, an important step, uh, the idea of bringing together uh, the usage of this land and bringing together educational employees to live in those neighborhoods. I think it's a good start, but I think we need to have a more robust and, and larger planning effort that brings all the stakeholders to look at all the affordability right. issues that we have in the county. Right. Uh, what about higher density along transportation lines, like along Metro? You just heard me speaking to Jorge Fors. Uh, the city of Coral Gables has been a little reluctant to, you know, embrace that idea. Where do you stand on it? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I like the idea. I'm a transportation guy. I grew up uh, riding subways in New York City to work and to school. So I understand the importance of it. And I understand how difficult it was to me to get to Miami-Dade College in the morning without <laughs> good transportation. I had to use my car, which I really didn't want to do. But I think that the uh, I, the idea of density is the correct idea, but it has to be locally applied. I think there are more places down in the southern part of the district, in the southern part of the county where this is more feasible, but I think having that kind of density makes a lot of sense and I support it. It doesn't work for my Miami Springs because we don't have the room for right. that. And that was our conversation when Commissioner Gilbert proposed this one 
corner of Miami Springs. That's all single property uh, right. area. And he understood that we were not, uh, it was not going to work for us. We, but generally speaking, yeah. I'm in favor of it. Yeah. Uh, and the urban development boundary line, generally speaking, is that something that you would respect uh, until proven otherwise, or would you maintain it the way it is? I want to keep it the way it is. I'm a little nervous about pushing those boundaries. I'm concerned about our climate. I'm concerned about some other issues. I know that uh, you know there are you know there are arguments for well, what about this project or that project? And I think that. Uh, that could be a slippery slope. I think that when it was established, it, there was a lot of thinking went into that, and I think we ought to hold to that. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, what happens in the future, I think we need to protect the Everglades and, and so forth. So I, I'm really hesitant to consider expanding that, yeah. even on a case-by-case on a -case basis. Yeah. Well, w one of the criticisms of that proposed warehouse district in Deep South Dade is that it would interfere with efforts to clean up Biscayne Bay, and Biscayne Bay has been a top priority for so many of us. Uh, my colleague Louis Aguirre reports on it every week about the bay, and you know, to her credit, Mayor Levine Cava has put a czar for Biscayne Bay renewal. Where do you stand on on that? Precisely, precisely. I think that you know the, the development that interferes with cleaning up the bay. I, it's it's an absolutely no-brainer for me, and I and I and I agree with that. Now, those are the concerns that I have, because so oftentimes we do things here to try to resolve one situation, and we don't look yeah. at the impact across the board. Right, and that's the problem that we have here with this issue, with yeah. this particular project. Yeah, Dr. Vasquez, one last question here. As you know, uh, voters across the state voted, I guess, two years ago, to say that Miami-Dade County has to have a sheriff in 2024. Uh, as a member of the, of the commission, if you're elected, you're gonna get a chance to sort of narrow the sheriff's responsibilities because currently the sheriff is the Miami-Dade Police Department director, reports directly to the mayor, and the system seems to work pretty well, doesn't it? Yes, it does, but you know, we're in a very interesting transformative time here in the county. Since, since 2020 to 2024, the commission is going to change its composition. Yep. And in the meantime, we also elected a woman mayor. So a sheriff coming on in two years is going to be quite a challenge and quite an interesting uh, uh, thing to do. I'm going to be looking for is uh, how the past practice has been. What does the state actually require that the sheriff do? There are some written things. And then how does that apply to yeah. us? All right, and how then. do we uh, balance the policing and the budgetary we, responsibilities we of the county. All right, Dr. Victor Vasquez, great to speak with you. Good luck with your campaign. See what happens August 23rd. Thank you, sir. And we'll be right back. Before we leave you today, a personal perspective about an unsatisfactory encounter I had this week with Senator Marco Rubio. Unsatisfactory because he refused to talk to me. It happened Friday at Moe's Bagels in Aventura. Senator Rubio was invited to speak to the American Jewish Coalition, and Channel 10 was invited to be the pool camera. But they got upset when they learned I would be the pool reporter. Why? Because Senator Rubio apparently thinks I've been unfair to him, that I wrongly said his record of accomplishment is thin. 
so I was expressly disinvited from covering this campaign stuff. Of course, I went anyway because that's what reporters do, especially when a senator is locked in a tough fight to keep his seat, and Rubio is, so you would think he would welcome media attention, but you'd be wrong. He wanted our camera there, but not me. After his talk, Rubio posed for pictures. His campaign wanted our camera there, but not my questions. Senator Rubio? Rubio's staff tried to block our way. Well, I'm going to put you out of the way if you don't move. Senator Rubio? But Rubio wasn't talking, at least not to us. Well, there goes Senator Rubio without answering any questions that I have. Position in South Florida. But Rubio appears frequently on Fox, where he gets softball questions. So Senator Rubio, Rubio obviously likes to go on Fox because they handle him with kid gloves, throw him all those softball questions. Glenna and I would ask tough but fair questions courteously. We have invited Senator Rubio to be a, be a guest on our program every week for two years. He can never find the time. Go figure. For the record, I do want to say Senator Rubio has done some things I admire. He is an unwavering supporter of Israel. Good for him. He persuaded a knucklehead senator from Oklahoma to stop holding up money for Everglades restoration. Good. He has sponsored a bill that prevents products made by slave labor in China from being imported into the U.S. Excellent. But he's also prone to right-wing ideological cant and popping off right after the FBI raid in, at Mar-a-Lago, for example, Rubio said it was an excuse and a pretext to look for damaging evidence about January 6th. He compared it to something that Daniel Ortega would do in Nicaragua, and he questioned the credentials of the well-respected judge who signed the search warrant. He said he wasn't a real judge. That is all preposterous really silly, even dangerous. But Senator, if you would come on our show, you could tell us and our great audience why you said those things. Come on, make your best case for re-election. And if you want, come on and tell me where to stick it. Go right ahead, I can take it. You got a problem with me? Tell me to my face. That's my perspective for this week. Love to hear yours. We'll be back in a minute. That, that is the end of our show. I see. want to say thanks for being with us. You can listen to the interviews and everything on This Week in South Florida, the podcast. Scan the QR code on your phone. It'll take you right to the This Week in South Florida section. And as we always say, thanks for being here. Stay informed. Get involved. Have a great Sunday.